When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Forward Progress on this Monday, December 11th, post-week 14. We got an action-packed show. We'll be breaking down some takeaways of the week that was. Look forward to this week's lines, and we've got two Monday night football games to preview. I don't know why that uh, happened in the schedule, and they're happening simultaneously, but whatever. If you're not already, you should really subscribe. Hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any of the content. Also, smash the like button. It helps boost us in the algorithm. Of course, none of this would be possible without our sponsor, Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years. Everyday competitive odds. Your trusted sports book. Bet smart, bet pinnacle, must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. With that being said, I'm your host, George Sofidis. I'm excited to get this show on the road. I'm joined on Mondays by Suma, pro sports better, creator on the Hammer Betting Network, proud Jets fans af uh, after that W yesterday. We got Cleve TA, plus EV better, cleveanalytics.com, and soon to be champion of the Hammers first trivia, Cleve knocked me out in the semifinals and is going to hold it down for the Monday show. And uh, you know what? Just let's get it out of the way. I'm wearing my Dolphins toque. And you know what? I'm tired. I I've been called a homer for so long and I've been so you know cautious and calm. But you know what? You want to paint me uh, in a picture? I am going to give you the homer today. I'm going to tell you throughout the show why the Dolphins are the best team in football and I'm not taking anyone's shit anymore let's start off sunday night football dallas and uh and philly the eagles got walloped by san fran and then dallas uh we know they were winning earlier this year with some smoke and mirrors and fortunate breaks suma do the eagles have a coaching problem a talent problem or an execution problem I would say talent problem on defense and execution problem on offense that offense is not on the same level as it was last year. We have been knowing that for several uh, weeks now. Um, and I, I feel like yesterday they got extremely unlucky. Like the Eagles punted once in that entire game yesterday. They made it inside the Dallas uh, 34 or 35 yard line, I think five times. Uh, only got away with two field goals, I think two fumbles and one turnover on down. So it it was not like they couldn't move the ball. It was again a, a little bit harder than what we are used to uh, fr from that Eagles offense. Like um, they are for whatever reason not able to really consistently, methodically move the ball down the field, and then you are suddenly in these third and eight, fourth and eight situations where you are running two shallow cross routes with, with AJ Brown and, and the and the Cowboys defense is blitzing and Jalen Hurts uh, uh, has to get the ball out quickly and uh, Cowboys secondary is closing in and then there's a stop on, on fourth down, um, for example. And on the defense, I mean, that's been obvious for several, several weeks now. I don't think that any Eagles better um, bet the Eagles yesterday thinking that their defense will step up and shut down this um, Cowboys offense. I, I don't think that was ever on the table. And yeah, Cowboys juggernaut at home and uh, didn't make stop at the um, uh, Eagles defense. Um, the, the Eagles defense is built to win up front. And when they cannot do that, like they couldn't, uh, for, for the most part yesterday against the Cowboys. They are too vulnerable on their secondary at, 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 at the linebacker position to to really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with such a good, well-playing Cowboys offense. Uh, Cleve, um, is, is Philly just unfortunate, bad scheduling, two monster teams on the end of a gauntlet run? Or did they regress to the mean? Yeah, it's I think it's more regression. I mean, I will say offensively, they, as Suma said, they... 
They had a 44% success rate, 6.2 yards per play. They outgained Dallas by almost a full yard per play. It was essentially the same success rate. It's just when you're, I think I counted six of the first seven drives got inside of the Dallas 35. And then you had two fumbles. You had a, a fourth down that you couldn't convert. And then you had, you know, two field goals. This just, they just kept kicking themselves. You know, they were they were playing better defense the second half. Now, I don't know if that was because Dallas laid off the, the gas a little bit. Because um, in the first half, they were just converting whenever they wanted to uh, on third down. But, um, you know, I don't think they played as bad as the final score indicates. And, you know, they easily could have got that game, you know, within, a within one score in the third quarter, potentially. And, you know, things could have been a little bit different. But, yeah, that defense has got a problem. Like uh, Suma said, you can't get – if you don't get pressure with the, the front four uh, like you were last year, then they're just going to be so exposed in the back end, especially in the middle of the field and – Dallas was able to do that whenever they wanted to. And when you've got a, you know, a top five offensive line in the Cowboys who's going to protect Dak, you know, he's just going to pick you apart. So, um, you know, they, I don't know if it's a scheme thing. I'm not, I'm not a film guy. You know, I know that Jonathan Gannon last year, the DC got a lot of uh, flack. Like people just wanted to kick him out of the door, even though they were the number one ranked defense all year. And they let, they, they set a record with sacks for some reason that wasn't good enough. And so they kind of, you know, it's kind of, uh, um, don't wish what you, you know, you get like you asked for it and you got it. And so, uh, I don't know if Sean Desai is the guy, it doesn't seem to be making any adjustments that I see. Um, they never blitz that I, that I really could see. So, uh, it, it was kind of a vanilla game plan defensively and, you know, they, uh, they couldn't get it done. If you remember this off season, they were like contemplating moving on from Badberry and Slay and then like through like a stroke of luck or whatever how it unfolded uh they bring back Bradbury and Slay on, on new deals extensions and it's just like I watched that game yesterday I'm like oh Bradbury's awful like he cannot hang with any of the top tier receivers how the hell is he gonna be reliable come playoff time and all of a sudden you know you're feeling a Navante Maddox injury uh that's been like that quiet quiet big injury for this team let's talk about the cowboys and let's give them some credit suma um are the cowboys one of the three best teams in football and if not who's ahead of them uh well definitely the niners right now um i think in the in the nfc the the, the picture is uh, pretty clear that they are arguably the um the second best team uh especially after doing that to philly and um you said it at the beginning that Dallas had a shot at winning the first game as well. So um, I think that right now it's it's uh, pretty obvious to me that the, the, that it's the Niners at the top and then the Cowboys in the NFC. Um, when it comes to, to, to the AFC, um, I think we are probably comparing the uh, Cowboys to the, um, uh, in that same bucket, Dolphins, Ravens, Bills, in my opinion. I I might be a little bit higher on the bills than um, other guys. Um, KC, um, they 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 are also still in in the bucket, but I have some concerns about the Chiefs. We will talk about that. So um, when it comes down to that, you might make a case maybe um, Miami or Ravens right now still better than the Cowboys. Um, but I think it's it's a very close close bucket. Interested to see um, after we talked about uh, on our let's say power ratings last week uh, what Cleve says about the uh, top of the AFC. Uh, Cleve, how does it shake out to you when you think of the hierarchy of the AFC? Are we talking about talking about Dallas still? No, we we'll talk about Dallas. But Suma said yeah. curveball. Oh. Like, has anything changed in the AFC for you after this? No. I saw Miami number one. I, I had them last week number one. Um, you know, the Kansas City one is tough because you, they are literally like three plays away from winning, you know, beating Philly um, yesterday with Buffalo and then that Green Bay game. I mean, think about it. If MVS catches that deep ball against Green Bay which or against uh, Philly, which he probably catches, you know, 80% of the time, they win. If they, uh, if they call that pass interference last week on Green Bay, which they probably call 80% of the time, they likely win that game. If, um, you know, yesterday, if they if they let the Tony um, offsides go, you know, there's still time left for, for Josh Allen to score a touchdown, but they're a huge favorite in that one. So it's like they're just like, you know, uh, this close to, to winning at least two, maybe all three of those games. And, you know, our, our situation is a little bit different that we're talking Kansas City. So I'm not ready to bury them just yet. 
they still have the best quarterback in the NFL. They still have, you know, one of the best head coaches and they have a, a solid defense. So, you know, I'm not going to bury them, but I, I'll go with Miami for now. Uh, we'll see. They've got a tough test, you know, uh, down the stretch between Buffalo and Dallas. Uh, so we'll see. It'll all shake out. But I think I think Miami is, um, you know, just a, a notch ahead of uh, Kansas City, Buffalo and Baltimore for me. I'll ask you about Dallas, but I also want to mention Jake Ferguson's like emergence because I think he's like quietly become a really reliable weapon for them and kind of gives them a, a dangerous dynamic that maybe they were hoping they were going to get with Cooks uh, or Gallup this year. Um, how good is Dallas, in your opinion, as far as hierarchy of the NFL? And do you think Jake Ferguson is a part of the reason why they're so dangerous lately? Yeah, he's fine. Like, I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I think he fills a role. Like, you know, a lot of times it's just him running a vertical down the middle of the field, down the seam, and, and Dak, you know, hitting him on the money. So I'm not sure he's, like, running any crazy routes to get open. I don't have some of those those advanced metrics to see. I haven't really studied them. Just watching it from, from afar, you know, he makes all the catches, so you got to give him credit for that, and he's taking big hits. But I don't know if he's doing anything, like, that special from a, to, to get open. I mean, for me, I'm still in the show-me uh, – uh, state for when it comes to Dallas, I, I'm like, I keep coming back to the fact that even after yesterday, like how many good defenses have they faced? I mean, the Niners are the only top 11, I think, uh, past defense. If you look at EPA that they faced the entire year. And that was the game that Dak had the worst game that any San Francisco uh, opposing quarterback has had from an EPA standpoint all year. It was Dak Prescott when they lose 42 to 10. Like I just keep going back to that. And the fact that he's sitting you know, he's sitting at home uh, in, in a comfortable environment with the best offensive line in football, um, one of the best offensive lines in football. And, and he's facing, you know, these teams that just have no secondary, you know, Seattle last week. We have the Giants. We have Washington, like just on and on. And it's like I want to see him against a real defense in a little bit of a compromising situation. And I think we're going to see it this week. So beat, beat Buffalo in Buffalo and I'll give you your flowers next week. I'll come on here and say they are the clear number two team, not only in the, in the NFC, but probably the NFL. Uh, so I want to see it. I'll say my, I made one bet this week and it's already Buffalo minus one and a half. So I'll tell you that tells you where my head is uh, in that regard. I just, I actually have these teams, you know, um, essentially equally uh, rated, but you know, seeing that this is a you know big home game for Buffalo and they need it like blood and, you know, a little colder environment, it's supposed to be decent weather, but still a little colder environment. Like I'll, I'll take my chances with Buffalo uh, and under a field goal. So uh, this is a big week for them, but I want to see them do it against like it was some adverse conditions at some point. All right. Uh, Cleves already given out uh, one of his plays this week. Let's move on to the chiefs bills game. Um, uh, I want to start, I guess with uh, the penalty to Tony and Patrick Mahomes bitching. Uh, let's, I want both of you to weigh in on this, but I want to start with Suma. Um, did Mahomes lash out at the refs? Because what he really wants to do is lash out at his teammates like MVS and Tony, but he can't do it. Other like like he's the only guy keeping this glue together, and so it, it felt like misdirected anger yesterday. Am, am I reading too much into that? I I, I agree with that. Um, f first of all, I thought it was clear offside, and there was a reason for Mahomes to be pissed about. But after watching that scene like twenty times and uh, listening to to other guys who are a lot smarter than me when it comes to like re refereeing and stuff like that. I, I was wrong and uh, Von Miller in fact was not offside. Uh, I mean, probably it looked like that from the eyes of the quarterback because Von Miller was like perfectly jumping the snap and it might have looked like um, Mahomes uh, would have had a, a free play, but uh, in the end um, Mahomes was wrong. And when it comes to handling like bad failures of, of teammates. Holmes is always a class act. He would never go in front of a camera and throw some of his teammates under the bus or whatever. So um, I think that he was also very angry at Kadarius Tony, but in that situation, he really put it out all, all on, on the referees. And in hindsight, he was uh, completely wrong. And I also think like, this argument in the presser after the game was completely stupid, in my opinion. Like, um, when it was about the uh, Tony 
a flag, he said something like, oh, players are offside all the time. And uh, in that situation, they flag it, makes no sense. So um, I I felt like Mahomes was completely wrong there, but uh, I guess he would already know. Yeah, I didn't like that he mentioned it to Josh Allen in the handshake. Like, you know, Josh Allen got beat in a game with 13 seconds and then in overtime never got a chance to get the ball. Like, you've gotten your breaks in life. Uh, Josh Allen doesn't need to hear your pity party. Uh, T.A., uh, what did you read into the whole Mahomes uh, explosive anger at the end? I th I just thought it was a combination of everything. I mean, the fact that all these games are coming down to the last play and last week was a clear PI that they didn't call uh, on the MVS situation. And then this one, I think it's just, it, it's kind of boiling over because all these games are coming down to these last plays. And and like usual in the past, Mahomes would always figure out a way to win. He did it, you know, for all these years. And so now it's you know kind of regressing and, and not going his way. And he thinks it's all the referee's fault. So I can see him, you know, being frustrated, but like, I, I just think it's a joke. If you want, if you just look, I mean, he's clearly offside. Like, this isn't even a question. So I don't – this whole thing about it shouldn't be called, you need a warning, like, that. now you're sounding – you sound like you have sour grapes. Uh, so I don't like that they're, that they're complaining. But I understand, you know, why he's – It's if this was, like, the first – if they were, you know, if they had one loss and this is the first kind of tough game that they lost all year, I could – you know, I, I don't think he goes off like this. I just think it's, you know, the fact that we've had – multiple end of game situations that uh, have gone against him that has frustrated him. Suma, we keep saying this year, uh, oh, don't worry. The Chiefs will get it together. They'll get it together. They'll get it together. Uh, well, we got four weeks left and then we got a playoffs and we probably are going to see Mahomes on the road for the first time in his career on the play in the playoffs. Uh, what's your confidence that the Chiefs actually get it right this year? Or, or are you less confident today um, th uh, that they're going to actually do something? On a scale from one to five, I would probably say it's a three right now because I, I've i been saying this for like eight weeks now and they never get to that level. So when you compare like um, their their efficiency metrics with, with, with like last two years or something, even last year after Tyreek Hill was... Um, already out of the building like it's pretty much for for kc standards night and day and yes they are a couple of plays away from winning three more games but those plays are also the exact issue that we've been talking about for several weeks now like mvs yes it's mvs he does not catch the ball against philly like maybe maybe a different guy catches it or whatever and um Tony makes that uh, mistake yesterday where he doesn't ask the, the, the referee whether he's offside or not. Maybe a different receiver um, would have asked the ref. I, I don't know. But um, this, and, this is an, an ongoing scheme right now. Also add to the fact that I think we, we all agree that Travis Kelsey looked like, looks like he has lost a tiny step this season. And all of a sudden you are relying on a, I don't know, 34-year-old Travis Kelsey who has maybe only 92% of his former self and Rashi Rice and a bunch of guys who are consistently making mistakes like Tony, like MBS and um, against the best teams in the NFC, uh, in the AFC that might make up for some really, really tight and close games where, where these nuances will decide outcomes or over the next couple of uh, weeks, they, they will face a, a very light schedule. So we might not, um see that obviously but um for the playoffs i'm really a, a little bit concerned all right let's move on to rams and ravens which is like one of the more exciting games uh on the field like this game had a total of 40 and like it finished 37 31 crazy overtime finish uh cleve i want to start with you do you downgrade the ravens uh defense yesterday or is this just a case of this rams offense is actually really really good again so I'll be honest, I didn't watch really much. I saw over, overtime, but I didn't watch the, the flow of the game. So I don't know how, you know, um, the Rams kind of attack them. But, you know, the Rams have obviously a really good quarterback and, and multiple pieces at receiver that can hurt you. But this is now, you know, we saw Deshaun Watson have a monster second half and they put up over 30 against Baltimore a few weeks ago. And then, and then the next week you had Joe Burrow, who's moving the ball at will before he got hurt in the first half you know, until they faced, uh, you know, uh, Herbert and, and that uh, Chargers offense that 
isn't really moving on anyone anymore. So they got a break there. And now we're back to, uh, you know, the Rams scoring on, on, on the Ravens. So there is something to that, that I think there are holes there. I mean, look, from a talent perspective, they're not nearly as talented as their numbers indicated. And if you look, they played a lot of backup quarterbacks early in the season. Like that inflated a lot of their numbers. So now they're they're facing you know real quarterbacks, so it's coming back to bite them a little bit. So yeah, I don't think they're as good as as they were showing early in the season. Um, and so and you know they lost Kyle Hamilton. You know he's got a. I saw it, people were suspecting a potential ACL. It looks like it was just an MCL injury, so he could be back before the end of the year. So that's huge because he's been their best defender. Uh, you know especially in the back end, he's a big playmaker. So you know that is uh, that is one to keep an eye on. Uh, but yeah, I don't think their defense is nearly as good as, you know, maybe some of the numbers looked uh, early in the season. Um, Suma, um, Lamar Jackson missed multiple deep balls uh, yesterday. Even the ones that he completed, guys were wide open. He threw to the wrong shoulder. He threw it short. Odell like had to catch one, like stop himself, catch one and roll into the end zone. Uh, why doesn't Lamar get criticism? Because that's there's quarterbacks who, when they are off by a little bit, a lot of people are quick to jump into group chats and say, hey, man, uh, Tua sucks when he misses a throw. But Lamar doesn't get that same criticism. How does this always come back to Tua in Miami? Huh? You, know, oh. you know, I'll tell you, Cleve, I'll tell you. it's I didn't hear one comment yesterday about Lamar sucking, and I wonder why, because his deep ball sucks. Like, he what? misses a lot of deep balls. Wait till we talk about concussions, right? Yeah, wait till we – there's lots. There's lots. Suma, uh, does Lamar deserve more criticism than he gets? Or do we still uh, give him a, a lot of free passes for some of his throwing errors? I would say yes and no um, regarding the deep ball. So Tyreek Hill and Odell Beckham both are on record saying they ran the wrong route on those plays. So um, – but, I mean – Lamar Jackson, yes, he, he had a couple of big time misses, but they also scored like thirty eight points or thirty seven points yesterday, and that was in 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 major part due to him like um, extending plays, scrambling around, uh, getting first downs with his legs, and still making all the key plays when when it was necessary. So, yes, we can probably put more blame on him on things that don't go well, but in the end, he's still a dynamic playmaker who made all the plays necessary to go toe-to-toe -to -toe in, in a shootout with a very good uh, Rams, uh, Rams offense that was absolutely clicking. So um, it's it's tough to really put the hammer on him, on him, in my opinion. You know, before the Lamar Jackson injury and they were rolling, we were all quick to, like there was a lot of people who thought the Ravens are like that sneaky, maybe best team in the AFC I don't know if I'm sensing that that maybe that sentiment is cooled down. Do you think the Ravens have a legitimate case as being the best team in the AFC? Suma? Um, I would not say so because um, even if we don't make like major differences, so so uh, TA ha has has the Dolphins uh, in front of them. I, I also have the Dolphins tiny in front of them, but it's basically one bucket and I, I don't think that the Ravens right now are as stable on offense and as good on defense to really make them clear favorites in the AFC. I just think that they are just not there because Mark Andrews, uh, I think that they are missing him. Um, they are a little bit fragile uh, now with their receiving group because Odell is dealing with injuries all the time. Bateman is uh, probably still not 100% from his list Frank injury. So they are a little bit fragile on offense, and I agree with TA that their defense is probably a little bit overrated at this point, especially if Kyle Hamilton is going to miss uh, a, a lot of time. All right, question for both of you, and Cleve, I'll get you to answer first. Uh, just a quick answer, and then we'll get into some team-level takeaways and answer questions from the chat. Um, do you guys expect to see the Rams in the playoffs? And which division leader is uh, vulnerable that you think the Rams could possibly knock off? Obviously, the NFC South one is the obvious answer, but is there another one? And we'll start with you, Cleve. It just based I, – I haven't uh, played the Rams very well all year. <laughs> But just based on their schedule in between, you get Washington and the Saints at home and then at the Giants, 
before you face the you know the Niners on the road. And again, who knows? At that point, the Niners might have a you know uh, might might not be playing for anything. And who knows if they play anybody in that game? So there's a chance that they can sweep the board here. Uh, but I mean, I think you know two to three wins is very very reasonable. So I I think they're definitely you know in line um, to potentially get a playoff spot. I actually just from a pure viewer standpoint, I don't want to see Minnesota in the playoffs. Like, can we just get them out of here? Yeah. I don't want to see uh, Nick Mullins or Josh Dobbs or whoever's going to end up playing now that you know Jefferson's hurt. Like, just we don't need them in the playoffs. I think everybody can agree, unless you have a, a ticket or you're a, a Vikings fan. Like, let's see the Packers and let's see the Rams in there. Yeah. Like, I think that would be by far, you know, the most competitive, you know, from that standpoint. So, and and, and again, who can they beat? Yeah, obviously the 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 NFC South. They'd be favored, uh, uh, I think, over any NFC South team on the road. Uh, I'm pretty sure of that actually. And then, you know, against Detroit, you know, I think Detroit's obviously vulnerable at this point, you know, with their defense. And that would be interesting to see Matt Stafford in uh, in Detroit in a wild card game. Uh, if that happened, that would be really, I don't know if that's even possible, but, you know, if they were able to sneak up there and, and end up playing, you know, the Lions, they can clearly beat them. So, you know, I think those are clearly teams that they can compete with. You know, we saw what happened uh, when they went to Dallas uh, about a month or two ago. They got absolutely um, destroyed. And so I don't know if they can they can uh, do anything in that game. But, you know, they're, they, when you've got a, a Hall of Fame potential quarterback, you've got two really good wide receivers and a great offensive coach, you know, you've got a shot to beat anybody. So, um, yeah, they're definitely in the driver's seat. Suma, I feel like you've been bullish on the Rams uh, since Kyron Williams came back. Uh, do you echo a lot of what Cleve just said? Absolutely. I mean, the splits with, with Kyron Williams, overall offense, all run is pretty insane. Even if we filter out the Brett Ripian game at Green Bay, the splits with Kyron Williams on and off the field are absurd. And even yesterday... A, on the road against the Ravens in like uh, wet conditions where I thought like Ravens could could play the run a, a little bit tighter than usual. Like Ken Williams is, is it it sounds weird, but he's running differently right now. I I, I just feel like when I watched it, like wh when you think a a, a a play is like shut down, he for whatever reason makes a juke move and gets a few extra yards. So he. He's really playing special, in my opinion, right now. And I also completely agree with Detroit. Like, could you make the Lions favorites on a neutral field over the Rams right now? Because we are looking at a very, very bad Lions defense and an offense. I'm not sure you can right now say that the Lions offense today is better than the Rams one. So um, I'm also going, yeah, a a NFC South for sure. And then uh, Lions would also be my case. De Dallas is problematic because the way to 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 really get after Stafford is if you can get pressure with a four-man rush, he, he will kill the blitz, but he is susceptible to pressure out, out of four-man rushes. And when defenses can um, drop into coverage behind that, so Dallas is a bad matchup stylistically, but against the Lions, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you said the point about Kyron Williams, even against the Ravens, there was two yard runs that he turned into five and six yards, like never stops moving his feet. Uh, let's get into team level takeaways. There's some great questions in the chat and I promise you we're going to get to them. Uh, we are starring them to, to bring them up. Um, let's get into it. Cleve, um, has the NFL started to ignore the concussion protocol? Like, I don't even know how you begin to navigate betting on the Houston Texans with Stroud in concussion protocol. A month ago, we would certainly say he'd miss. But now, Amari Cooper, Chris Olave, Derek Carr, everyone's clearing in under a week. Even if you've had two concussions in three weeks, which Miami would have been crucified uh, last year if they ever did that. Um, we benched Tua three weeks after a concussion in the playoffs. But apparently, nobody cares about player safety anymore. Pittsburgh let TJ Watt finish a game, put a visor on him and said, you know, strap up, kid. We got to win this game. Uh, what's going on with this concussion protocol? I mean, it's a joke. It's, you know, we've had ch chats about it. I mean, every NFL chat that I'm in, with, uh, we were talking about what a joke it is because early in the year, the first 10 weeks of the year, when anybody had a concussion, it was like 90% or 85% that they weren't going to play uh, uh, the same week. I mean, Brock Purdy, 
I think he started this trend maybe a month ago, you know, it was like five or six weeks ago uh, against the Bengals. But otherwise, there was like nobody who was playing the same week as a concussion, which I think is accurate. Like if you're leaving the game with a concussion and not returning, like it's hard to imagine in this era that you're going to play that same week. And so, you know, when I would look at games, um, you know, on a Monday morning, I would assume whoever had a concussion was out, was likely going to be out. And I, that's how I would handicap. And I've actually been burned back to back weeks, although I it's still I still won two weeks ago. I had the Lions, uh, I think it was a minus three and a half in New Orleans because I thought that Chris Olave would definitely be out after, after he, got a, he got a concussion. And, you know, they had no wide receiving core. He ended up playing kind of out of nowhere uh, and they still covered, fortunately, barely. Uh, and then this past week, I was on the the Browns Jacksonville under, thinking that you know this was before the Lawrence injury. I thought that the Amari Cooper Cooper injury, uh, the concussion, would keep him out, and that would be a big deal. And he ended up playing, and obviously, you know, Lawrence ended up playing. But you know, so I, it's like no, I don't know what to expect anymore. We saw T.J. Watt come back into the game, which was a joke last week with a visor. So clearly, he had some symptoms. If you're going to put a visor in somebody mid game. Uh, but now they've got, you know, they're going to use the excuse that he had a couple days extra rest because it was a Thursday night game. So he'll play. I would be shocked if he doesn't play. And now, I, you know, I said this morning, like, can we, should we, we should just assume C.J. Stroud is going to play. You know, they, they need to win to, to, for their playoff hopes. And if everybody else is doing it, they're not going to, like, sit Stroud because of a concussion. Like, it sounds terrible. But, you know, unless he really is, you know, uh, he can't see, uh, I think he's going to play. And so that's how I think you have to handicap these concussion situations right now you have to kind of uh, evolve and it's similar to if you remember covid back a couple of years ago like everybody was like okay they got covid like they're not playing that week is gonna the full protocol and then it just all of a sudden like carson wentz carson wentz oh, yeah. first one to come back and they said all right let's just stop caring about covid yeah. clear everybody yeah. again and that was like week 16 or something like this is what happens once it's like all right the, the, we need these wins for the playoffs like we're, we're not gonna we're just gonna let you play so it's kind of a joke yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Broncos. Um, Suma, they're six and one in their last seven games. They beat the Packers, Chiefs, Bills, Vikings, Browns, and Chargers. Uh, that's not a bad bunch of teams that they beat. Uh, is it time to acknowledge this run? Is this team actually kind of good? Uh, barely, I would say. I still don't think they are very good because they. I think that after that rough start, they made a lot of personal changes on defense. They got injured players back, so their their defense was already subject to just natural re regression. But with some players back, Patrick Sotain playing at a very high level, they are now actually creeping closer towards average on the season. And they've been very good, especially on creating turnovers. But their offense, I mean, it's it's still tough to watch in my opinion like th this is basically we are going to run the ball dump it off or on early downs to to not get behind the sticks and then we will let russell wilson occasionally throw a deep bomb i mean yesterday against a charters defense that worked out very well and i th i thought that that they still left some meat on the bone especially on these on these deep bombs i, I think jerry judy he had like three crazy drops two of which were drive killers that would have put them in, in at least into a field goal range. Then the drop on that uh, touchdown, which led to a field goal. So I thought that at least 10 points were off the board on those jury drops, but it still isn't a, a, a really good offense. It's, it, 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 it still feels very, very hard for them to, to get down the field. And I'm not sure how sustainable that is going forward. That's okay. Cortland's son can get uh, held with one arm and make a one-arm catch uh, on a 40-yard bomb. That's all they have to do. It feels very sustainable. Uh, Cleve, they're playing at Detroit, home to the Patriots, home to the Chargers, at the Raiders. That's the remaining schedule. Are we going to see Russell Wilson cooking in the playoffs again? It's possible, and they have the tiebreaker over the Bills, which is huge. Um, and so, you know, that's, it's possible. I just, I don't, I watched that game yesterday and, you know, they got another benefit of a, a tip ball inside the own, their, uh, the Chargers own five yard line that led to their first touchdown. They didn't do anything really in that half. I think they got a field goal towards the end. Like it was, and then once that's the thing I give them credit because Sean Payton kind of knows his team now 
And it's like, we're just not going to make mistakes and we're just going to check down, check down and maybe take a deep shot on occasion and run the ball and just not screw up. And so I give him credit for that. He's, lower, he's lowering the variance um, in these games, but I, I just don't see it. Like, I think there's a chance that that the the, the Lions blow him out this week. I mean, I think it's definitely possible. Um, you know, I, I want to see. I mean, the, the Texans really should have blown them out last week. They're up 12 points, and that was without Tank Dell, uh, who, who who left early. And you know, that easily could have been a, a you know a three score game. So you know, I'll give him credit for hanging in there and, and being feisty. But I just don't I don't see them, you know, being that great of a contender. But then you look at their schedule. Like I said, you got the Chargers now potentially with the Easton Stick at home. Like that's that you can almost chalk that up as a win. I think the Patriots game will actually be tougher than than people think because that that New England defense is is for real and they can really shut down a a, a one dimensional offense like like the, uh, the 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 Broncos have. So I wouldn't just chalk up a win automatically there, but you know obviously uh, um, they have a real shot here. And like I said, they've got a tiebreaker over Buffalo, so that would be interesting if it came down to that. Eric says uh, Lions are frauds, but a buy against Denver this week. I was praying to see a three this morning. Oh, uh, please give me a three. It, it didn't materialize. We got some buy on Detroit. Let's let's see. Let's hope. Uh, uh, let's see where that line develops. By the way, that's people are not paying attention. That's a third straight road game. This is going to be a third straight road game for Denver, mm -hmm. and it's a short week. Like if you look historically, Carolina was just on their third uh, in a row, and they they you know oh they're Carolina, but you know that was they got some sharp money, which I never understood. I was like everybody paying attention to this. If you look historically, your win percentage expectation, your win percentage versus expectation is much lower. On the you know if you're an underdog in your third road game in a row, so just keep that in mind if you're looking at Denver for it to be a short week too on the tail end. That's a significant advantage for Detroit. So just to keep that in mind, and a team who's much much better at home and when Goff has a roof over his head. Suma, did we incorrectly write the Bengals eulogy? Is Jake Browning uh, a good enough quarterback? And does like what he's doing take away from Burrow at all? Like. Uh, I'm going to pull up some stats. Um, the last two weeks, he's number two in PFF passing grade, number two in success rate, first in completion percentage, zero turnover worthy percentage. But what they're doing is his average depth of target is 4.4 yards. Their they're, uh, big time throw percentage is 3.2%. Uh, and his time to throw is 2.5 seconds. He is getting the ball in his playmakers' hands and letting them do their thing. Like, Chase Brown and Joe Mixon turned two dump-offs into, like, 40-yard gains yesterday. It was something to watch. Yes, I was completely wrong on, on Jake Browning, just completely wrong. I I had Jacks in, like, uh, teasers and spreads on, on last Monday Night Football, got, to, got completely caught off guard. And, I mean, yes, the, the Colts defense is brutal, like, really brutal. Like, you would expect some somewhat – a somewhat capable offense to move the ball on them. However, I think it's probably worth discussing what the, or if we overrated the value of Joe Burrow in that offense, because oh. they, yeah, Do sorry about it. Who is this? I mean, uh, I'm just kidding. That game against Jacksonville was like really, really good. And he led a follow against uh, the Colts, where he just played mystic-free football, completed a, a bunch of passes, scheme and playmakers did the rest. And all of a sudden, I mean, I thought that the downgrade from Burrow to, to Jake Browning would be massive, but I, I was just completely off on that. Yeah, I used to, uh, Shane asked, is Zach Taylor sharp? I used to love punching on uh, Zach Taylor. Uh, I have always felt he's held back Cincinnati. Uh, and Joe Burrow, he has Joe Burrow to thank for his extension. But uh, I guess they're both making me look stupid. Cleve, let's focus on a good coach. Uh, the Browns have now lost three offensive tackles. Their star running back, Nick Chubb. Um, and Kevin Stefanski is one with four different starting quarterbacks, including a guy off the couch. They are eight and five. Should he be one of the front runners for coach of the year? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, to, to do this with, I mean, it's, if you look at the laundry list of guys out for the Browns between Watson and Chubb and, um, you know, the Amari Cooper's in and out and now they're down to their, you know, their, their fourth string tackle, fourth and fifth string tackles. 
uh, potentially their backup center. Uh, and then defensively, just, you know, Miles Garrett playing with one arm. They got guys hurt in the secondary. Denzel Ward's been out a couple games. It's just been nonstop injuries, uh, and they're finding ways to win. And, you know, what I love about him is he's doing it. You know, um, he's got this is a obviously a strong analytically focused front office and coaching staff and forward forward looking. And so they're they're doing things like going for it on fourth downs when they showed even that that touchdown to David Bell yesterday. The great play by uh, Flacco, he just a quick hitch. And, you know, they scored on that one where most coaches, you know, with a good defense would punt there. And so he's you know, he's going for two when you're supposed to. He's like doing all those things, even with these you know third and four string. Uh, players on the offensive line and at quarterback. So he's, he's being true to himself, which I really like. And, you know, defense comes to play, especially at home, whatever, I don't know what happens between home and road, but there's just gigantic splits there between this defense. So, you know, but they're doing, they're doing what they, they can to, uh, to win these games. And I think if, if they get into the playoffs and get 10 wins, like he's gotta be high up there. Uh, Cause I don't, I mean, Dan Campbell was the, the favorite, I think this morning, which I still don't understand. Like, why is he the favorite? Um, you know, it's not like he's doing anything of, in recent times that has, has been all that impressive. Like he's got to eventually turn this thing around for, for Detroit. But, you know, I think Kevin O'Connell should be up there. Um, but like those are really, you know, Mike McDaniel. But again, the, the, you know, the talent is is really there. So it's it's to me like I like giving coach of the years to to guys that, you know, exceed their their talent on the roster. Um, and I think that Stefanski is definitely one of the top two to three uh, candidates. There's going to be a guy who, uh, when they run the table and win their last five games uh, of the year, Matt LaFleur is going to bring uh -huh. home okay. the bacon. Uh, let's get into some questions because uh, award markets are fickle, and I don't think there's anything more fickle than the MVP race. Uh, Dak, uh, MT asked, is MVP a two-horse race between Dak and Purdy, and do we think Tua could sneak more into contention? If Dak loses to the Bills, like – He's out. He's gone. Right. Purdy's number one. And then if Purdy loses to Baltimore on Christmas, he's like, if you got to win your last few games or else you're gone. Right. We've seen guys lose an MVP award at minus 400 off one bad game with two weeks to go. Is there a more fickle award than this one? Uh, let's start off with uh, Suma. Um, yes. I mean, I, I cannot remember the last time where like we could make a, a case for like several guys in week 15 last couple of years it was basically rogers and, and mahomes um over the past like three or four weeks or whatever like rogers with that with those crazy seasons like i don't know 36 touchdowns two interceptions or whatever but now it feels like a really wide open race and I'm a little bit biased ta will completely roast me after that but i mean <laughs> if josh allen Beats the Cowboys this week pretty handily with a, another good performance. Uh, maybe that guy can sneak into the picture a little bit here. Uh, Cleve, what do you think about Josh Allen? Uh, first of all, if Dak loses this week, he's gone, right? He's not the favorite anymore. Well, I would say he's gone, but he's not the favorite. They still get to play, you know, some really bad defense, including Washington at the end. But it's definitely a, a big uh black black mark because like i said you know san francisco is the only legitimate defense they've faced um for the most part all year and he, he lost that game pretty bad so if he if he doesn't play well uh this week then that's you know two black marks against him i mean you look at purdy again i'm gonna talk about purdy because i, I someone made a really good comparison uh recently it, you know he is kurt warner uh back in the day when kurt warner had you know two hall of fame level wide receivers and marshall falk and a good offensive line and a great offensive, uh, you know, coaching staff with Mike Martz. Like he was, these were the type of numbers he was producing and he won two MVPs out of it. He, no one, no one thought that Kurt Warner was, you know, from a talent perspective, you know, a top five quarterback, but you know, he, he made all the plays. He got everyone the ball that needed to get the ball and he ran that offense beautifully. And this is very similar. And I mean, Brock Purdy's yards per attempt. I, it just amazes. It's almost 10. It's 9.9 .9 right now. Like it's, he's got a gigantic edge over everybody else from a yards per attempt perspective. You know, uh, yeah, it helps to have Debo on a quick screen that can take the ball to the house, but like this, this is just what happens. What about the throw he had? I mean, the, the throw he had to, to Debo yesterday, it was like a 50 yarder. I mean, he, I mean, gave it, to, it was, it was on a dime. Like it was a perfect throw in stride. Like Debo never stopped and he didn't have that much separation and it was a perfect touchdown pass. 
like he's making the plays when he needs to, when it needs to be made. And so like at some point when you're leading every single statistical category, and then you've also done it against good defenses, he's done it against multiple top 10 defenses, including Dallas. Like I just, I, I, to me in a down year, I think he has to be the favorite, even if, you know, Josh Allen comes back and the bills, you know, eke into the playoffs. Like we've never seen a quarterback with less than 11, 12 wins uh, win the MVP. Maybe this is the outlier season, but I just find it hard to believe uh, that that could happen when there's another quarterback on the clear best team in the NFL um, leading in every statistical category. But, you know, again, people have biases and some people may just agree to just never vote for a guy like Purdy in that system. So uh, I get it. Follow the thread here, right? We primetime games have a big impact, big national audience. It becomes part of the discussion. Uh, week 18, the most important mm -hmm. game is going to be Buffalo versus Miami. It's going to be Buffalo fighting for their playoff spot and Miami fighting for the one seed. It's going to be the Sunday nighter. I already can see it. And Josh and two are going to decide the MVP. The winner's going to, that's oh, the stakes okay. would be, you know, you know what? They said I'm a homer, Cleve, and I, I haven't been a homer, but I'm going to give them a homer. Whenever I can interject the Dolphins, I am planning on doing so. Tua MVP, uh, that's the one I'm, I'm backing. Go go do it. Dolphins are not going to lose again until next October. That's We've already lost our last game for a long time. Let's look at current market review. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the Chargers Raiders. I want to talk about Vikings Bengals. I think my first initial reaction when I saw it was, Wow, Cincinnati uh, favored by four. Are, are we sure about that? And then I saw, um, I, I started to consider, wait a minute, Justin Jefferson got hurt and their whole line, Brian O'Neill got hurt and Alexander Madison probably has a high ankle. Were you, uh, Suma, were you surprised by the price initially or is this baking in Vikings injuries and you expect the market to maybe uh, move towards Minnesota if they get healthy? Or, or do you still think there's going to be some Cincinnati run out? Because I, I don't know how to price either team. I was wrong about Cincinnati. I thought Indy plus three was very good value on game day. And that that bet never stood a chance. Like, we took a pick six for us to even pretend we had life in it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's not very easy to price the Vikings right now because we don't really know what to expect from Nick Mullins in a starter role after a full week of practice. The Bengals defense is not good at all. I would expect the Vikings to run the ball quite a bit. And then depending on how well Mullins can play, there will be opportunities down the field. Um, but yeah, JJ is a big X factor. Um, so, I mean, if the Vikings get a, a little bit healthier on the injury front, I would easily expect this to move uh, towards a, a three here. I think uh, if, if the Vikings were healthy, around three is probably a fair price, but I just find hard to price this this matchup in general. I definitely need, need more information as, as the week goes on. All right, Cleve, let's just keep it moving because I do want to. We have two Monday nighters to preview. Commanders, Rams. Uh, the last time we saw the Commanders, uh, Brian Robinson got hurt, and I believe it's a multi week injury. We're, we're not, there's no confirmation on it. Their defense has been bad for some time, like, and you can pinpoint it to when they traded away their two pass rushers. They also, like, James Smith Williams hasn't played, and it's kind of evident they, they can't generate any pass rush. The Rams. Lost, uh, you know, Hunter Long, Higby didn't play, and they lost their right tackle. I guess I'm looking towards the total here. I, I, I wanted to bet uh, the over here, and I wonder, do you still see money coming in? It's hard for anybody to back uh, the defense defenses in this game, right? Yeah, I think definitely think there's a tilt towards the over. I mean, Washington is a sneaky over team. I think they I have to check my numbers, but I think going into last – Last week, they were the number one um, over team. I can actually check it real quick, but I believe they were the number one over team in the NFL uh, or right up there. Um, they, you so, had a stat on the Thanksgiving show where you said, like, yeah, actually, normally they go over, they go over by a lot of points. They're not being priced correctly yet. Yeah, it's actually, I looked at it. So they're, they're, they're second place. 62% uh, of their games have gone over by eight points per game, which is the largest margin in the NFL. Um, so that, that clearly is a, uh, uh, is a signal that the market is not right. And obviously we've seen 
recently with their with their um, defensive trades that it's not any better. Um, I will say the one thing is since those trades, I mean, our last two memories of the Washington defense are against Dallas and Miami uh, on the, uh, you know, so like it's a little bit uh, skewed. Um, this thing about this, this Rams team is like they McVay isn't one of those coaches that likes to run it up on you necessarily. Like he likes to get a lead and he'll sit on it. And if you recall, like he, there's a lot of times, you know, in prior years where they would get up, you know, 10, 13, 14 points and he would just run, run, run. Uh, and he would never really expand a lead. So it is a team that is susceptible, I think, to, to some backdoor covers uh, in that case. So, you know, and Sam Howell in that offense is like sneaky, like against a, a mediocre defense, like they can they can do some things. So I think it's a lot of points at this point, you know, at this stage. Uh, I just have no idea to how to price uh, the emotional factor when you have a, a team out of the playoffs like Washington with such a late buy, yeah, traveling you know across the country. Like, are, are they going to care about this game? Like, I, it's that to me is the unknown variable that just impossible for anybody to answer. But it's definitely something that sticks in the back of my head because you know if you're a player, you just had a, a one week vacation, you see the the finish line, sure. you have no shot of, of of making the playoffs. Like, I mean, what's your incentive to go full force? I, I don't know. So that's that's always a difficult. Uh, Difficult thing to handicap. It reminded me of Denver Rams Christmas, and I thought Denver was a great price, but I didn't realize they were already uh, in Aruba in their minds, especially when the coach is someone who's probably not going to be there next year. Uh, it's very hard to get that team motivated. I'll tell you a team I'm having trouble pricing this week, Suma. It's uh, Jaguars, Ravens Jaguars. On the surface, uh, you know, I might be interested in three and a half at home. The problem is the Jaguars defense is starting to look a lot more like the offseason defense we predicted. I'm going to give you a list of their injuries and you tell me which injuries do you do they need to have back immediately. So they're without Walker Little. Ezra Cleveland uh, gets hurt. Tyson Campbell, Trey Herndon, Rayshon Jenkins in their secondary. Foley Fatukasi also missed the game. Which injuries do you want uh, to see for Jacksonville if you have any interest in buying in on them right now? I think it starts with the offensive line because uh, all, of all the simulated pressures that uh, Mike McDonald throws at you on a consistent basis. So you really want an, an offensive line and especially a quarterback offensive line connection that can sort that stuff out on the fly during the game because there will be free rushers. There will be a lot of protection calls by Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Ravens will get pressure, and that's why I would say you should start at the offensive line because that defense will not contain Lamar Jackson for, for four quarters. I'm pretty sure about that. So you want to have a foundation offense where you can maybe go into a shootout with the Ravens offense and I would probably if I'm them uh look to get Walker a little back and maybe Ezra Cleveland because I feel like Cleveland is a was a sneaky little upgrade because they had some issues along their interior early in the season uh, so yeah I, I would be starting to look at the offensive line all right two Monday night football games uh, happening simultaneously Cleve, uh, we'll start with Titans-Dolphins. I actually want to ask you, which of the two games are you looking more forward to? Um, the Dolphins, uh, the question mark is Javon Holland and Taron Armstead. Robert Hunt's already out. For the Titans, they're going to be without Jeffrey Simmons, Christian Fulton. Uh, the line is 14 minus 100. There's 13 and a halfs out there if you're interested. First of all, Cleve, which game are you more interested in and what are your expectations in this game? So I have interest levels in both. What one the Green Bay New York game? I have no bet on it at all anywhere. It's purely for my futures. Uh, again, we talk about it every week with the uh, the uh, you know long shot to make the playoffs and and uh, alts on their overs. And uh, I had one to win division. Uh, that may or may not still be in play. But um, so from that perspective, I just want them to win. Just from a futures perspective, I have no other um you know exposure tonight i i do like the the dolphins um game just because i i want points and i bet on their first half team total over 15 and a half and the uh, uh team total over for the game at 29 and a half like i just find very little you know last week i i sent uh georgia a note saying how in the world does uh, miami not get to 30 points in this game because their team total was like right the same number uh and he's like i don't know unless there's an injury and they ended up scoring with 45 and it's it's 
impact. You know, they've only faced a couple of defenses that are bottom, you know, bottom eight, 10 in explosive pass rate. And Tennessee is, I think, 28th in that regard. And in all those games, it was Denver. They scored 70. It was obviously Washington last week. They had 45. Uh, I think the Chargers, what, they have 36. So, like, they they don't let, you know, it's one of those, if there's loose change on the ground, they don't let it go. Like, they, they uh, uh, you know, pounce on any bad pass defense that allows big plays over the top. And we're talking about a Tennessee defense, which if you look at their their schedule, is just incredible that they're a bottom, you know, five to ten pass defense when you're, I mean, look at who they face in recent weeks. The Colts, Panthers, Jags, Bucks, Steelers, and Falcons. Like, that is the those that is the schedule that is uh, posting these huge, you know, passing numbers against them. So, you know, I, I just uh, I don't see any way, especially without Jeffrey Simmons, their best defender, and Christian Fulter, Fulton at quarterback or at quarterback. So, like, how how in the world are the Dolphins not going to get to thirty? Obviously, Tyreek and Tua are going to want to showcase for the MVP and all those awards. And you know, it's a it's a it's a prime time game, so I don't think they're going to sit on the ball here. So I, I don't know. Even when they try to sit in the ball with Devin Achain. He could take a, a a pitch 80 yards for a touchdown. Like they, they can try and sit on the ball and they still score. So I just, yeah. and I don't see a case where this Tennessee offense against an improving, you know, Miami's run defense is fourth in the NFL. We look at yards per carry uh, since week seven. And, you know, that coincides with when Jalen Ramsey's been back. And, you know, yeah, they're, they're without you know, Jerome Baker at linebacker and Jalen Phillips. That's going to hurt in the long run. But, you know, we still have Van Ginkle there uh, at edge. Yeah, and uh, it's still good enough defense. But Jalen Ramsey is going to shut down Hopkins, right? Like, that's our only weapon outside. So, all right, you, you have no ch- shot of converting anything uh, uh, with Hopkins, um, you know, with Ramsey on Hopkins. So, then where are they going? Uh, Traylon Burks, like, they've got nothing to really uh, sustain drive. So, I think you can get short fields and potential for turnovers with Will Levis. And I don't know. I, I just don't see – if if – Tennessee is able to complete some some plays. It's going to be Levis just taking deep shots, which is fine for for me uh, with with you know a team total over because if if they're going to score, score quickly. I don't want you to you know they're not doing the methodical five yards at a time. So um, I just think that the team totals are, are a good number for for Miami. Totally. Uh, and if the Titans can't get a pass rush and Tua's mighty comfortable in the pocket, oh my God, there's a lot of potential for big plays. Um, you said uh, you're cheering for your future. So hypothetically, if someone had like Green Bay over wins, Green Bay division, Matt LaFleur, coach of the year, and they won, according to GRP math, they w- that would make them 3-0 and in equity that day, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I cornered the market on Green Bay equity. I can bank a 3-0 and Monday <laughs> if Green Bay wins is what you're telling me. Uh, Suma, Packers, Giants. I, I – I, I guess I want to start here first of all, like like their injury report. Aaron Jones is not going to play, and Christian Watson and Jair Alexander. Like, my God, man, this Green Bay team is never healthy. What the hell is going on with their injury uh, staff? Like, like why is everybody always hurt? And then I want you to break the tie. Hitman's best bet is Green Bay. Uh, a prominent pick selling service says, "No, no, no. Hitman's an auto fade." Where do you land on this game? I'm wearing a Hitman jersey tonight, or let's say in the morning when I'm going to, to rewatch that game. I'm, I also will be heavily rooting for TA's futures portfolio because I'm on the Packers tonight. And um, yeah, I mean, the Giants with uh, Danny DeVito, um, they had a 6 0 turnover advantage against the Commanders, against the worst defense in football right now, arguably the worst defense in football right now. And then they had an absolute shit show against the Pats that they barely won due to a late, like, 35-yard missed field goal. I'm just not buying into this team, into this offense. Um, I think that the uh, Packers' defense is not great, but I think they will get pressure on 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 the veto and it's not like the the giants have all this all these crazy weapons on the outside that can consistently be their packers uh, defense without jerry alexander so um i don't think that the giants offense is for real and then then on the other side yes it's it's not christian watson but um i i still trust that matt lafleur john love connection a a lot more and um John Love is very decent against the blitz. Uh, Rick Martin likes to throw a ton of blitzes on, on the opposing quarterback. So 
I think that the Packers offense still has enough firepower, even without Christian Watson, to get together a few scoring drives. And then um, I think what would surprise me if the Giants were to consistently move the ball. I don't believe in that. And so I'm on the Packers tonight. Yeah, and the Packers. Yeah, <laughs> you forgot the most important uh, handicapping factor. The Packers are like bottom seven in pressure allowed off- offensively, so they do a really good job keeping Jordan Love clean. Um, if Green Bay wins, you know that I think a com- we're going to go combine nine and zero in equity, guys, and I think we need to start practicing our GRP, uh, you know, hip dance, the nine and zero equity win. Uh, thanks so much for doing this guys. Really look forward to this every single week. Cleve, good luck, uh, in the trivia contest. Uh, you got to hold it down for myself and Suma. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow, two o'clock myself and sharp Clark to break down some film recap, both Monday nighters and give you the first Thursday night preview. You don't want to miss it. Please subscribe. Hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any of the content. And smash the like button. That's it for me. Thanks to Suma. Thanks to Cleve TA. Thanks to the producer, Jason. And thanks to the audience for being so good today. Until next time.